a story. I've got a story. We've got a story. I'm Brad McEwen, and I'm here to tell that story. This is Beyond the Bank. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Bank. I'm your host, Brad McEwen, and today I'm visiting with my good friend, Jackie Inchshores, the director of education at our very own Chihaw Park, one of my favorite places in town. It's a pleasure having you come in for a visit today and really talk with me about some of the exciting things you've got going on at Chihaw as we enter into the summer months. But before we jump into all of that, I would like to take a moment and ask you to tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what you do at Chihaw. Yes. So I am the director of education out at Chihaw. And for me, this means I have a number of different amazing things I get to do on a daily basis, yearly basis. Um, the summer camp program is probably one of the biggest things. Then we also have our youth volunteer program, our junior zoos. Also another one of my favorite things that we have, um, just because I get to see the kids grow up and really mature and blossom. But then we also have the volunteer program and then all things you would normally associate with education. So all of the field trips, many different environmental activities, quarterly events that really get people out in charge of a lot of the family events. So it's a whole number of different hats that I wear. So long story short, you stay very busy. Yes. (laughs) Well, that's good. We like, we like busy folks. Well, now, um, Jackie, I've known you for a few years, and so we've had an opportunity to talk a few times, and I've got a, I've got a pretty good feel about the passion you have for wildlife, for education, uh, really for cultivating a love of nature in all folks, but especially the young ones. Uh, tell me a little bit about your personal journey, you know, where that love come from, comes from, and how that passion has kind of driven you to the role you're in today. So I started out being that kid that you could not keep inside. It was just, it, there was no point in it. My nickname was Princess Blackfoot because I ran around and I, they couldn't keep shoes on me and I was always dirty and I brought every animal you could ever imagine home. I had very tolerant parents because my bathtub went through a whole slew of animals. Also really tolerant uh, roommates in college that let me bring, you know, possums, beavers, whatever it was that I was helping to rehab. So I always knew that I liked to be outside, always knew I liked animals. And then as I went to school, I realized, well, you know, this is I think this is what I want to do. So I got into biology, having no idea that I was going to get into the education realm. And then as I went through it and got to meet a lot more people, got to do a lot more animal caretaking, I realized that I needed a bigger purpose and that my goal was to teach as many people about animals as possible because I can save every snake in the world from crossing the road or every turtle. But if it's just me, I'm only reaching a small subset of those animals. But by teaching other people, then I realized I could have a much bigger impact on the environment and on animal welfare and everything that's associated with animals. So that's really what kind of drove me into the field that I'm in now. I got you. So love of the animals is one thing, but then you've, you've got to find a way to, I get it, it's exponential. So sort of like yeah. teaching somebody to fish versus giving them a fish. Exactly. I like that. I like that. Now, now one thing about that, you know, Jackie, <clears throat> you know, having been done some educational stuff in my past and being married to a teacher, I know that there are subject matter experts, but those folks aren't always good educators. Then there's folks that 
are able to do both and just have that kind of gift for educating. When did you realize that you sort of had that gift for connecting with people? Because you're very good at it. I've seen you do it. Well, thank you. Um, So I worked at a wildlife center at Georgia Southern. That's kind of where I got my start. And that's really where I figured out like, oh, okay, this is this is what I'm here for. This is what I'm going to do. And so while I was in college, I had the opportunity to work at the Center for Wildlife Education, where I trained eagles, hawks, owls, falcons, did reptiles and everything. And I really got a chance to dabble at a pretty young age into developing curricula and then being able to translate it into some of the many different programs that I have today. And so that's really kind of where I started to get it. And then really it was just about being in the field and doing these programs and seeing that little light bulb moment, that little, like all of a sudden there was a kid and I'm bringing a snake around and they're absolutely petrified, like won't even touch it. I've seen kids run across the room trying to escape me, you know? And then all of a sudden they're like, well, that kid didn't die. And well, that kid didn't die either. So then I'll walk a second snake around and then then you get like a little one finger touch. And then after the one finger touch, the next time I'm bringing around an even bigger snake or an even bigger animal, they're like, all right. And then you get like a whole hand touch. And so it's that light bulb moment that really kind of sparked me. It gave me my light bulb moment, actually. And I decided that's that's it. This is what I like. That is awesome. I I love to hear stories like that where somebody just finds their passion, their own personal light bulb kind of goes on and off. I love it. Now, talk to me a little bit, Jackie, about how you. You know, obviously, with that kind of field being involved in that, you could have gone any number of places to pursue that. Um, but you chose to kind of come home and and, and do what you're doing at Dar- at uh, Chihaw. So, talk to me a little bit about that that decision to you know come to your home sort of stomping grounds and get involved with Chihaw. So when I was finishing up grad school and I was getting everything done, I was working at the Wildlife Center. I was really trying to, like you said, find my grounds and I really didn't know where to go. And I was like, "Ooh, what do you do? I don't know. And I was like, well, I remember being at Chihaw as a kid and I loved it. So I'm going to come back here for a little bit. And I started as a part-time camp counselor. And then while I was camp counseling, I was also fortunate enough to land a job teaching out at Darton, which is now ASU. And so I was doing both. And then between some turnover and some change that they had at Chihaw, there was a new full-time education coordinator position that was available. And I thought about it and I hemmed and hawed. And I had even been on other interviews going all the way out to Oklahoma, Toledo, and had some offers. But I really thought about it and I was like, well, I really love what I do education wise is I know this is what I want to do. And then the more I got to thinking about it, I realized that I don't want to work in a zoo or in an environmental field where you're surrounded by concrete. And so it really just kind of helped solidify. I was like, well, I'm in Albany. I love Albany. It's where I came from. I get to be surrounded, not just by a zoo and environmental education facility, but then I also have 800 acres that I get to go play in because my background in graduate school was gopher tortoises. So you can imagine how excited I was when I realized how many gopher tortoises Chihaw had. So everything really just kind of lined up. And then the longer I was here, the more I realized what a great step I made and how cool it is to actually come back to the same community that I got to be a part of. And then now I get to provide more opportunities for kids that came from the very same schools that I did. So it it really, everything just kind of all fell together and stars aligned. And here I am, obviously, 
best decision I've probably ever made. Well, that's fantastic. Well, we're glad that you you made that decision. Now, Jackie, for those of us, for those who might not know, you've been there a minute. How long has it been since you've been at Chiha? I started in Chiha in May of 2010. Yeah. Long enough to see my five-year-old campers who are now sophomores in high school. It's kind of scary. You've seen a lot of change out there. I have. A lot of good changes. Well, I'm glad to hear you say that a lot of good changes. I know, you know, obviously there was, you know, storms back to back and then you had the pandemic and I know all those things have an impact on Chiha. I'd love for you to kind of share a little bit about that, but then tell me some of the, the, cool way you have seen the resiliency? Um, well, let's go back to the storm. Um, you know, obviously I, I love looking at what happened in Albany in general after the storm, because I mean, you really can't, it's, it's really hard to put into words because you saw people coming out the woodwork to help everybody else, their neighbor, people down the road, people you've never even met before. And it was the same way at Chiha. Um, a lot of us left our house. I remember driving that morning and I'm like, I really hope this is safe. Really hope this is safe. But I knew that we had to get there because we had to go see and make assess the damage. And so that morning when we got there, there were so many trees down everywhere. I had to park at the play park and walk and we had to walk over trees. And it wasn't just me. It was everybody. Everybody was there that next morning. We were assessing the fence lines, making sure that everything was still where it was supposed to be. And thankfully, because the day prior, everybody also pitched in. I mean, everybody that had mobile hands was catching up animals and we moved all the critters into safe locations. So it was that same sort of team mentality. And it was everybody pitching in to make sure that not just all the animals were safe, but also checking in on everybody's staff first thing in the morning. It was that text message chain, everybody checking. Is, are you your family okay? Do you need help at your house? All right. Everybody's meeting at Chiha. Here's what we're doing. That's pretty awesome. That's pretty awesome. And it's neat to see the community has continued to support that. Now, what kind of impact, I mean, with the pandemic that we just have sort of coming through the tail end of, I have to imagine that impact had some impact to what was going on at Chiha, but it's an outdoor facility. Did it, what kind of impact did you see? Um, well, we were very, very fortunate. Like you said, it was an outdoor facility. So for us, that meant that we were able to open our doors a lot quicker than many other organizations. And that we were also able to offer things for families to do. Because as we know, everybody was ready to get out of their house. So we were very fortunate in that aspect with being outdoors. Um, and then as far as our staffing goes, everybody, you know, pitched in, everybody I hate to say it because it's the word of the year, but everybody pivoted and everybody made plans. We switched to digital. We figured out new ways to do things Um, from the animal keeping side. You know, there were also a lot of steps we had to take to make sure that our animal collection stayed safe, because as we know, mammals are susceptible to COVID-19. So there were immediate animal precautions that we took. Our curator immediately recognized that our mammals, some of these, you know, endangered species, could be susceptible. So we immediately had mask mandates anytime we were in a holding area. We wore gloves anytime we were doing anything with the animal collection. So beyond just the people, there was an extra added element of how we had to up our game and make sure that we were doing everything tip top. Wow. I, I didn't even realize that. That's pretty amazing to think about that, that all that extra stuff having to go into, you know, I guess it's easy for somebody who doesn't know to just think that they know what goes on there. But all the stuff that goes into taking care of those animals is just like people. 
Man, that's fantastic. Now, Jackie, you mentioned and shifting gears just a little bit. You mentioned that during the pandemic, it was really kind of cool for the park to be able to sort of open up a little faster. And you made the comment that, you know, a lot of people were anxious to get out of the house, go do stuff and how proud you were to offer things that families could do, which kind of leads us up to where we are today, which is summertime at Chihaw. I'm a parent. I know that I couldn't have gotten through most of my summers if it hadn't been you know, such a wonderful place to take my kids to experience the outdoors, to experience what that park has to offer. So talk to me a little bit about summer camp time at Chi Hall and what you got cooking. Um, so summer camp time is probably my favorite because number one, all the babies come out from everywhere. And so I get to see everybody's children for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it's just... So I feel like when you're immersing children in nature and that you're, you know, your goal is to teach, I feel like a lot of that teaching comes from just being able to be outside. And one of my favorite things about Chihaw and about doing camps is just getting kids dirty, eat some dirt, put it on your face, you know, smear it around. Like that's, that's how you learn that. And so I love, 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 love summer camp because I feel like it's a perfect opportunity for children, not just to learn, but then also to um, experience the environment. And then there's different elements of learning. You've got your book learning, which, you know, there is a lot of book learning that comes into what you do at Chihaw summer camps. We take what you read about in your science textbook and it comes to life when we do these experiments, when we go on nature walks. But then you've also got social aspects of it. You know, you learn a lot on the play park and it's the same sort of thing at Chihaw during camp. You learn a lot about social dynamics, how to interact with other children, how to be successful. Um, so all of that plays into it. And then the other added element that I really love is this is when I get to see all the junior zoos a lot. So during the summer, not only do we have camps that come out for kids that come out for week long blocks of camps, but then I also have youth volunteers and they come out and they help with every volunteer aspect you could imagine. They help our zookeepers with education, animal care. So they're learning that responsibility and they're learning the needs of individual animals. They help as camp counselors themselves. And it's kind of neat now because I'm to the point where I've had a number of junior zoos that have gone on to graduate either high school or college. And now they're actually coming back and they're getting hired on as camp counselors. So it's this evolutionary period of these counselors. Yeah. So that that's another one of my favorite things. So it's really just a cumulative. The summer is like my jam because I get camp. Then I get the junior zoos that come out and I get to see them all the time. And then we also have our outreach program that's in its prime. So this is where we take all the animals that not all the animals, obviously cheetahs don't travel and, you know, primates don't travel. That's just asking for disaster. But our education animals, we pack them into a van safely <laughs> following COVID procedures now. And we'll go to libraries. I mean, we visit all the way out on the East coast. We go towards the Savannah area, Douglas, Coffee County. Um, I go up as far as Macon and we'll actually bring all the animals. And so we get to educate, not pe just people here in our immediate area, but people all around the state. And even Florida and so Alabama sometimes too. So you too, not exactly. just about the, the education. Now, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was wondering if COVID had impacted your ability to do the quote unquote road show. And I'm just glad to hear that you're, you're able to continue to do that. 
So most of our restrictions with the roadshow has actually been more on that facility. So we were able to do shows on the road. We just had to modify what we were doing. You know, for people safety purposes, we would stand six feet back. We would wear masks. From animal standpoint, um, we just had to make sure that we kept our mammal collection six feet away from all people. And then, it, like I said, it was really up to the facility. But now more facilities because people are getting vaccinated and because we know a little bit more we're actually able to go to a lot more libraries and to a lot more facilities. We've been visiting some classrooms this spring, and let me tell you how excited they were to see real people that weren't the people they see every day. There's a huge impact on for that for uh-huh. kids, for sure. Now, uh, when you were talking about summer camps, you also mentioned uh, the volunteers. And I think it's important to mention, I'd love for you to do this, talk to us about how vital volunteers are to what you guys do. I mean, they are fantastic. They are our eyes and ears. They do extra work. Our zookeepers, they get so excited. They're like, junior zoos are coming, junior zoos are coming. So they start this list of projects of all of these different things that they would love to be able to do, but they just need maybe some extra hands. Like during the summer, we do a lot of reperching. So we'll go out and we'll get a lot of new tree branches. And then that's when we fix up a lot of the animal enclosure or our keepers love it too, because one of the biggest components of animal care is enrichment. So making sure that our animal collection has things to do. You know, you were locked up for six weeks and you got bored. (laughs) Same thing happens for the animals. So we do the same sort of thing for our animals on a daily basis. And in the summer, because we have extra hands, we can actually send our junior zookeepers to go out and to do a lot of these extra animal enrichment. So sometimes it's as simple as here's some bubbles. We're going to let you go blow bubbles for the monkeys for a little bit gauge their reaction. The monkeys have a blast with it. We write it down and then it's all those extra little things that the junior zoos can do that help our zookeepers with their, with their daily. That's pretty awesome. Work. It's neat to see that, uh, that synergy and to, to see the community's hands involved in what you're doing out there. Now, I don't want to get too far away from summer camps because one of the things I want to touch on is the variety. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that as in years past, we've got a, a good variety of stuff that the kids can get to do this year. Talk to me a little bit about some of the different camps you got going. Absolutely. So probably one of the most excited ones that I am to see is I'm excited to see bug juice come. You know, little little homage, little throwback to camp when maybe we were little, you know, drinking bug juice. Um, but obviously this one is going to be all about bugs because they're so amazing. They're everywhere and they're fascinating and kids love bugs. I know my almost two-year-old brings them to me all the time and tries to eat them. They're very fascinating. So we've got a bug camp this year. Then we also have, I think one of the other ones I'm really excited about is Adventure Out. This one is going to be a lot more survival skill based. So this is for the older ones, you know, obviously. Um, We're going to be learning a little bit more about the native Georgia woods, learning about hiking, about being outside and being really safe. And then this one is also the one that includes the canoe trip. So it's like the Mac daddy of the camps because you get to go canoeing and who doesn't love canoeing on the Muckley? Oh yeah. That's fantastic. That's exactly. Now is that one a, uh, is that one an overnight sleep out there? It is not an overnight one. Um, just because of COVID purposes and the ability to keep everybody safe. Um, we're not doing an overnight camp this year, nice. but this one is going to include that canoe trip. And then probably the other camp that I'm really excited about. We did it last year, but this year we'll be able to do it again. A little bit more fun as we have a Pokemon camp. 
Yep. So we have a Pokemon camp because I don't know if anybody else played it out there or, you know, got into it when the Pokemon Go came out. But Pokemon are all based around animals. So this is pretty fun. There's a lot of Pokemon you can catch out on the park. And then we're also going to bring it back and look at the creator of Pokemon Pokemon, and his love of animals, because that's where it all came from. And so we're going to tie them all. To, yep, he loved bugs. He was a bug collector. So that's why you see so many bug Pokemon. <laughs> I did not know that. Well, that's very, very cool. And um, now I'm guessing as in years past, there's multiple sort of, I don't know what you'd say, sessions that are available, uh, different things throughout the course of the whole summer. What's the best thing for a parent who's looking and trying to make a decision on what to do? What, what do they need to do to get kids registered to get this set up? Super easy to register. All of our registration is online. The best thing to do, honestly, is to go to either our Facebook. It'll link you directly to our camps or go to our website. And then um, any parent, their handy dandy guide is this PDF that you can download because we have different camps. We separate the kids out by the age so that they can do things that are more age specific. And then they're with, you know, members of their cohort you know, for obvious reason, it just makes it a lot easier to run a camp. And then it makes it more fun for the kids because they know all the other kids and they're on the same level. But anyways, we have different camp sessions for different age groups every single week. So every given week, there's at least three different sessions depending upon your age level. So that's the easiest thing to do is to download it so that you can pick either week by week and you know, hey, I need to fill this week for my child or I need to fill this week or hey, my kid really is interested in bugs. So I'm going to put him in bug juice or my kid really wants to do the canoe trip. So I'm going to pick that specific week. That's going to be the easiest way to be able to look at it and match it up because I know summer scheduling is very hard. It can get uh, it can get tricky. Yeah, especially when you have multiple children and you're trying to figure out where they're all going to go. Yep. And multiple ages. They can't yes. go together. Nope. Yep. Well, you can at Chiha. You can drop all of them off all at once. Which is pretty awesome. I know. <laughs> that, that's not something you get at other places. That's for sure. I see van loads get out all the time. It's like you see the five-year-old get out and then they drive around to the treehouse and then they unload the eight-year-old. Then they come back to log cabin and then they drop off the 14-year-old and they're like, I'm done. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Summer's dominating a lot of the focus right now and rightfully so. But looking a little further ahead, uh, can you share a little bit about maybe the back half of the year or beyond and, and let me know kind of what uh, other stuff is on the horizon, other plans on the offing? Yes. Well, we have a lot of traction going. I have no idea if you've seen the invite or anything, but we actually have our lemurs that are going back out on exhibit. We are really, really excited. So we are working to get all of these animals, some animals that might have been in the back for a breeding program or they have been in the back because their exhibit was damaged, like the the lemurs for perfect example of that. We are working to get all of them out of our holding facility so that everybody gets a chance to see them and so that everybody gets a chance to learn a little bit more about them. Because there's a lot of amazing things that happen behind the scenes. And we're working really hard to put those in front of the public so that you not only get to hear about it and hear about these conservation efforts, but they're going to be in the park and in the zoo. So you get a chance to see them. So we have lemurs that are coming out um, here in the next week or so. And then we also have our sulcata tortoises that are going to be on exhibit soon. We hope to get a number of those different animals out on exhibit for everyone. You know, you said something right there that I feel like it's important to distinction to make. One thing that I've always really appreciated about Chiha is it's not just about 
an animal exhibit. There's there's an educational component connected to the exhibits that we have. Talk a little bit about how you guys approach that and why it's so important to have an educational component connected to the exhibit. Absolutely. Um, And I'm really glad that you brought that up because there is a lot of thought that goes into every single animal species we bring to the park. So we don't just decide, oh, that's a cool animal. You know, let's let's have it. We look at number one, do we you know, do we have the ability to take care of this animal? We're not going to bring on an animal that we don't have the space for, or, you know, this polar bear, that would probably be not a great decision. Could we make it happen? Yes. But that's a lot of air conditioning, a lot of filters, a lot of water. So we look at those basic staples for the animal. Then we look at, well, what, how, how is this going to impact the public? Did the public want to see this animal? Um, we gauge that. And then after that, we also look at what is the education message? Um, are we going to bring on this animal that's native that people see or maybe just don't know about? Or are we going to bring in this exotic animal? So we take all of these things into account before we even decide to bring them into our animal collection. So there's an entire process and it involves not just the education staff we're involved with all of our animal acquisitions, but at our director level too, so that we can make sure we are bringing in animals that are going to be a good part of the collection and going to have that educational tie and conservation message. Yeah, you got to do it for the right reasons. Exactly. Well, I'm excited to hear about the lemurs coming back. It's been what, like 17, 18 since they actually had an exhibit out in the... They did. Um, the hurricane pretty much destroyed about 90% of their exhibit, which thankfully they were one of the ones that we said, you know, we don't feel safe leaving them out. So we moved every single lemur into an overnight carrier, put them in a concrete safe building. So all of our animals were 100% safe, but yeah, they have not been on exhibit since the hurricane crushed their exhibit. That's wild. Well, and I know there's a super hit with the kids ever yes. since Madagascar came out. She just, the lemurs, man, got to move it, move it. Exactly. <laughs> well, listen, we've, we've covered a lot of ground today, Jackie. Before we wrap up, I always like to give folks who come in and talk with me just an opportunity to share, you know, some final thoughts, things that are on your mind. Maybe is there something you want the public to know or something the public can do for Chiha? Just here's your opportunity, any subject, anything on your mind that you just want to share with the audience. Well, I would say the best thing that the public can do if you, you know, are a Chiha supporter is, you know, just come out, bring your family. That's that's what we're here for. That's what we love to see. I think everybody on the park, their favorite time is when you get to drive around and I get to see families at a shelter enjoying nature or I see somebody on the bike trail, the bike path. And that's probably the best thing that you can do. The best thing you could do is you can come out, bring your family, share the word. Um, you know, family membership is great because if you have a family membership, you could come out for the entire year. And so really it's just a great, it's just a great place I feel to take your family or to ride your bike, to just experience nature and to be outdoors. Well, I would have to agree with that. Having, uh, having tried, tried to maintain a membership out there during my, the whole 15 years that I've been a parent. And, uh, it was one of the best investments we make every year. And, and a lot of it has to do with, um, everybody at the park, but the very stuff that we've been talking about today, the, the educational piece, the seeing those young people get to commune with nature and have that appreciation and understanding. So I can't thank you and the rest of the Chi Hall staff enough for everything that you guys do for this community. Well, guys, that's it for today's episode of Beyond the Bank. I want to thank our guest, Jackie Entz Shores. And I'd also like to thank the loyal followers of Beyond the Bank. It's truly an honor and a pleasure to share the incredible stories of our community with you. Until next time, I'm Brad, and this is Beyond the Bank.